You're listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast. Now here's your host, Chris McPherson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our season debut of the newly revamped Eagles Insider Podcast. I am Chris McPherson, alongside my right-hand man, Alex Smith. Alex, 2016. It's finally here, baby. It's all shiny and new. We have a, a brand new format for this podcast. I feel like we're just going to mess it up probably Don't right away. Don't say so. that. Don't say but, that. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I can't explain how excited I am for the start of 2016. Obviously, uh, a ton of different things going on around the buildings. Plenty of people to talk to. So, so let's just get this thing going. So training camp is underway. And as we were planning our podcast programming for this season, Dave Spadaro has his Eagles Live podcast, which, you know, is more of the news of the day it's insight from players assistant coaches the head coach he does a great job of taking you behind the scenes on what's going on on the field you have fran duffy and the eagle eye in the sky podcast he also hosts the journey to the draft podcast presented by AAA, and he really gets into the nitty-gritty of the x's and o's so alex and i stepped back and we said you know the eagles insider podcast used to be the recap of the game a preview of what's to come dish on different topics going on around the NFC East and the NFL. And we said, you know what? We need to take a step back and do something a little different. And the one thing that we weren't providing was access to the players, but in a different light, a chance to really get to know the players. I'll use the cliche, go underneath the mask, under the sure. helmet, sure. so to speak. So we, we wanted a podcast where, look, we're going to post it later in the week. It's going to typically land on Thursdays, closer to game time. And it's not something that you need to hear to get ready for the upcoming game. It's really just to hear about a key player, a key person, someone who's going to have a big role for the upcoming game or whatnot, someone who's in the headlines, you know, someone we want to get out there. So, But it's more of the journey to from their youth to through college to where they're at now with the Eagles. And we figured we got to get the season started off on the, I'll use another cliche here, right foot, and... You, you have bring, your coach speak down already, C-Man. Oh, it's, it's, I was going to say, it never goes away. <laughs> Come on now. But one of the big free agent acquisitions made by the Eagles this offseason to fortify the offensive line, guard Brandon Brooks. We figured you got to go big to start things off, so bring in the big man himself, who, is it correct, he is the biggest player in terms of size? Correct. On the as, team. as we are recording this, he is the biggest player on the roster, which is a little bit surprising because he's obviously a huge person, but you don't think of him as the heaviest player. But I think he's listed at 335, okay. which is a few pounds heavier than Jason Peters, I believe. Right. But a big man and a very interesting character, to say the least. So it's a two-part interview here. First, we're going to talk to Brandon himself about growing up in Wisconsin, his college days at Miami of Ohio, and what it was like signing the big free agent contract and acclimating to Philadelphia, which he has done seamlessly. And then we'll have a second interview with Jared Johnson, who was a former NFL player. He played his college ball right in our backyard at Lehigh University in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, former site of Eagles training camp. He serves as a mentor to Brandon. He's known him since he was a teenager, pre-teen years, and has seen him grow up and become the NFL player that he is today. So just a quick note, since it is a new format, we definitely want to get your comments, your feedback. So you can hit us up on Twitter at Eagles. Make sure to leave a comment or a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you happen to listen to the podcast. And if you haven't, just make sure you subscribe so that each and every week, the newest edition will be dropped right into your mobile device or wherever you consume your podcast. 
So I think that does it for uh, a little PSA. Let's get into the interview and welcome free agent right guard Brandon Brooks. Our special guest on this week's edition of the Eagles Insider Podcast, new guard Brandon Brooks. Brandon? Appreciate you guys having me on. Dude, thank you very much for coming on. We want to get into your store, your background. So you're the pride of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Is that correct? <laughs> I wouldn't say the pride, but yeah, I'm a guy out of Milwaukee. <laughs> were you a Brewers fan? For sure. So obviously Brewers fan. Were you a Packers fan? I was a Packers fan growing up. Watched Favre when he was kicking tail out there and things mm-hmm. of that nature. And also watched when Favre went to the Vikings, which was like unreal. So wait, wait, wait. So what was that like for you? Because you grew up watching him. Yeah. He goes to the arch rival. Yeah. It would be sort of like here in Philadelphia if someone signs with the Cowboys, probably sort of like Terrell Owens back a couple of years ago, where everyone now hates and despises him. So what was it like for you watching Far from that viewpoint? Even as a young player, I recognize his greatness. So although he went to the Vikings, I was always happy to see him do well and to uh, win games. I was going to say, you probably realized early on that you wouldn't be quarterback. That's the one thing. You grow up, you're watching Far, you're enjoying Far, but got this big frame, it's not really fit for a quarterback. Well, so. I, I will say this. I mean, I didn't really put on some weight and until like my junior year of high school, I was playing. Okay. Even in my junior year of high school, I was playing tight end. And really? Then, uh, my senior year, I played guard. Uh, you know, I ran in wing T, so I was able to get out on like a lot of double guard sweeps and stuff like that. Prior to that, you know, coming in as a freshman, I was only like six foot, probably like 220. That's not <laughs> huge, but I mean, six foot, 220 is still big for high school freshman. Well, my sophomore year, I was six four. I was there like you six, go. Six four, probably like 240, 250, and played tight end and played tight end the next year. And, then my senior year, I got to like 290, 295, and I'm playing guard. So guard's not really a glamorous position. I mean, it's an important position, but when your coaches say, we want to move you from tight end to guard, are you disappointed at that point? <laughs> uh, honestly, not necessarily because uh, two things. One, I've always kind of been like a team player where, you know, wherever you wanted to play me, I was willing to play. My biggest thing was when I got there, I always wanted to be the best at it. So no matter where I was going, I just want to be the best at it. And then two, in the wing tee, the guard, I mean, it was a lot of traps, a lot of pulls. I mean, it wasn't ne- like I was necessarily just sitting there, sure. you know what I mean? Like I was getting out, you know, mowing people over. Where did that mentality come from? The desire to be team first guy instead of one with playing for the name on the back? The biggest thing is being an only child. So I never really had like any brothers or anything. Okay. So when I got into team sports, it was like, these are all my brothers. So whatever it took to not let down my brother, I was willing to do. That's interesting because most only child families, child almost has to adjust to have everyone else around because they're used to having all the attention. So it's kind of funny that you had the opposite approach where you're like, wait a second, now I have brothers who I can beat on and be yeah. friendly with. And- uh, my parents kind of instilled that in me as a young kid. Whenever I tell somebody I'm only child, they always give, kind of give me that look like, oh, so you're... You exactly, know, exactly, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. those guys. Uh, both, my, <laughs> both my parents had, you know, my dad had uh, five sisters and my mom had two brothers. So. Okay. They wanted to make sure that I wasn't always about me all the time. Do you have a favorite story of your parents from growing up or something that they taught you? Whether A lot of like dads and families are like that coach from the stands to their kid. Okay. But my mom was like that for me. She'd always really? say, yeah, coach from the stands and I need to be doing this. Or if I mess, even now, if I mess up in the game, mm-hmm. like you did a good job, except this play, you didn't do this. I saw it. <laughs> and it's like, like mom, like, you know, like relax. But at the same time. You Wait, know, she knows the tendencies, the technique of an O-lineman that she can criticize? That well, point? she can like, yeah, like on a pass block or run block, she can tell you. Okay. Like, you may not know the whole like broad scheme of what's going on. But she knows if I did my job or not. She'll tell me, and like, you know, I respect that. I, you know, I enjoy that. You know, I appreciate it. It lets me know that she's watching the game and really watching as far as what, I, what I'm what i doing. And that's still happening to this day? Yeah, to this day. Uh, 
I can remember like last season, something happened. She was like, "Yeah, so I saw you didn't get your guy on this play right here," and I was just like, "Mom, like, <laughs> like, like, come on, Shh. yeah, exactly." Mom, but don't uh, tell anyone, please, okay? Yeah, but, <laughs> but growing up, uh, my mom's ultra competitive. She played basketball in college. I'm ultra competitive as well. With my dad, he always kind of just sat back and kind of let let me do my thing. And then if I ever had any questions about something, I would always come to him. Um, now, was he an athlete? Did he have any kind of? <laughs> my dad was a bodybuilder. So really, yeah, he okay. lost a lot of weights like growing up, and you know, as any like like Mister Olympia like type. I mean, like well, he was Mister Wisconsin in 1980, 80, 82. Hmm. Really, yeah, like any young boy, you know, want to be like your dad, and yeah, mm-hmm. I'd always see my dad lifting weights, mm-hmm. so I'd always like you know have my little plastic weights lifting with him. And, <laughs> so um, you wanted to be in the family business of uh, bodybuilding <laughs> with your dad? <laughs> well, I would, yeah, I would always like you know lift weights or like. uh what is it called? Uh, Muscle and Fitness or like mm-hmm. Flex Magazine and like all that stuff. You know, my dad was big into it. He still lifts to this day. And uh, anytime I'm home, you know, we get a lift in together. Or, you know, like I said, growing up, we'd always like lift weights and go into the gym and, or into the basement mm-hmm. and get a lift in. So Does that get competitive with well, you too? Yeah, for sure. It was uh, it was competitive until, you know, I got into college. And, you know, my dad's getting older and, you know, I was you know, Yeah, young, so yeah. pass the baton. It's yeah, like, yeah. Son, exactly. it's you now. Exactly. But, you know, I, I still uh, – Got mad respect and mad love for him, though. I mean, he still, like I say, put some put some weight up. I mean, my dad's 60 years old. He can still put 315 up. Are you serious? Yeah, dead serious. How did you end up at Miami of Ohio for college? Long story short, I, okay. had, I had committed to Wisconsin my junior year, um, going into my senior year. And, uh, you know, I went up on a visit and uh, realized that going to Wisconsin wasn't for me. Really? Um, what about being there made you realize that? Uh, just when I, you know, had went on a visit. That was my parents would always let me know, like go somewhere where if football didn't work out, say I got injured or something, complain anymore, I could always just be a regular student and be fine. Once I had got there, I just didn't feel that it was right for me. So decommitted. Um had other offers, you know, Boston College, North Carolina State, but I didn't really know anything like as far as like the East Coast like that. So mm-hmm. um ended up going to Miami. I took a visit, you know, loved it. Um don't regret my decision to this day. So when you were growing up was Wisconsin, where you always wanted to play, was that like the college for you growing up? Growing up, I played basketball. I was willing to go wherever mm. to allow my mom not to pay for college. There you yeah. go. So I mean, that was kind of my biggest deal. Wait, so you thought basketball was going to be your road? Yeah, at, at one point I thought basketball would be my road, and then realized I couldn't run up and down that court as fast <laughs> as I used to. You know, around my junior year, so uh, I didn't. You know, I didn't start playing football until I was a freshman in high school. That's the first time you played, yeah. really. Yeah. So how did that? come about was it like there's a kid who's six foot and 220 pounds like come over here and start playing or well my dad was like you know maybe you should try it out give it a shot okay and just from basketball you know I was kind of always an athletic kid I did like martial arts too and played uh baseball too but yeah I, I did that in in the summer of eighth grade going into my freshman year my dad was like you know maybe you should give it a shot and uh, I was like what should I play like mm-hmm. I didn't even know like the positions or anything like that and he was like, I don't know, maybe try like tight end or like fullback or something, yeah. you know, something like that, and check it out. And uh, ended up playing tight end. And uh, I remember to this day, my high school coach came to me and kind of gave me the paperwork to fill out, filled it out, and did like my first two a day. And like after that, like I slept for like 12, 14 hours straight. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. You sleep that long anyway when you're in high school. Right. I mean, that doesn't make a difference. So. so once you finally start playing football, at what point did you say, I might have a future in this. You know, I, I might be pretty good at this. Maybe I can go to college for it even further than that. When did that finally set in? As far as college, I'd say probably like my junior year, uh, started getting like recruiting letters and stuff like that. Realized I was kind of excelling on the field. 
And then, uh, you know, it kind of all came together my senior year. Um, you know, had an unbelievable senior year, playoff run, you know, did things that hadn't been done in, you know, 20, 30 years. So it, it was good as far as that. And then I'd probably say as far as uh, college-wise, probably around the same time my junior year going into my senior year, where I was like, you know, if I really focus and hone in on my skills, there's a possibility that uh, maybe possibly make it at the next level. I could see your parents at the same time saying, son, you got to get your degree. Yeah. Were they pulling at you from that end? Like, look, pro thing is great, but we want you to have the education to rely upon. Yeah, for sure. Um, even my rookie year, my mom was on me like, so we're like, when are you going to start like master's classes? Like, when are you going to do this? I'm like, <laughs> master's classes. Like, like, mom, like, I just got to NFL. Like, let me like get acclimated mm-hmm. and adjusted and, you know, kind of find my way and kind of do well at this first. A year and a half later, I end up, you know, starting master's class and stuff like that. You know, my mom, even to this day, you know, wants me to finish my master's when I'm done. So. So how many times when you say, I went to Miami, do you have to throw in the Miami of Ohio? Because the you or any confusion whatsoever from that standpoint? A lot of times, but here's one thing I realized kind of rings true. The higher your education level, the more likely you are to know what Miami University is because it's the Harvard of the Midwest. Like it's, it's not, it was a public, original public Ivy League school. That's, that's kind of how I look at it. The name speaks for itself. Yeah. So like if you don't know what Miami is, the likelihood you probably weren't going to get in. So of course you went up. <laughs> so like, there I, you go. That's, that's exactly how I look at it. You went back and spoke to the kids this spring mm-hmm. at Miami. What was your message to them? I never wanted wanted it to be like about me like giving money back. It was more or less like able and blessed to do this. Let me go back and help where I was helped. That was probably the, the biggest message. And two, you know, never let anybody crush your dreams, tell you can't do something. I mean, there's a lot of people told me, you know, I want to get a scholarship. I want to be any good at football. And then, you know, once I got to college, you know, they shut up. And then from there, oh, you'll never make it to the NFL. You'll never get drafted. And once that happened, they shut up. <laughs> oh, you know, you'll never make it to the second contract. You'll never do this. And it's just like, if somebody tells you you can't do something, that should be enough, I guess, fuel to your fire to make you want to go out and do it. What are people saying now that you can't do? I Probably. mean, you seem like you keep going from one thing to the next. You got the second contract. So what's... I mean, my, my sights are aimed at, you know, trying to get to the Pro Bowl. The thing is, it's a popularity contest, largely, especially along the offensive line. Yeah. So once your team starts winning, it just magically moves along. If it's a popularity contest, we should let the Eagles fans vote. Because if you go on Twitter, Brandon Brooks (laughs) is maybe the most popular Eagle on Twitter in the last, (laughs) I don't know how many years. but Oh, that's that's a great, great question. On Twitter? On Twitter. (laughs) That's a fair point. It's a fair point. I mean, it's something about the offensive linemen who come through Philadelphia who are very good on social media. But I think in terms of popularity, I think there's no question that you're number one. So when you went to Houston, when you were drafted by the Texans, were you that engaged with the fans then? Or is that something that's new and special for Eagles fans? I'd probably say it's new and special for Eagles fans. I wasn't. Uh, I didn't use social media as much when I was in Houston. Okay. When I came here, you know, I just felt home. I felt like, you know, the city kind of embraced me. I kind of, you know, embraced them back. You know, it's been a fun, you know, wild experience, man. I've had great times since I've been here. You know, with this next, you know, contract right here, you know, I consider this home. So as far as I'm concerned, you know, I'm trying to get out into the city, see what's going on, trying to, you know, get out and meet different fans. You know, if I see them on the street, they recognize me, stuff like that. You're talking trash to Cowboys fans? I mean, yeah. touring the city? I mean, I mean, yeah, that's how it is. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you can't be in, you know, Philly wearing Dallas Cowboys. I mean, are you kidding me? That's ridiculous. It's really interesting to me because connecting with fans on social media is something that no other generation of NFL players really ever did before. So what's your approach to it? I mean, you'll get the haters out there. You'll get the critics. But what's your approach of connecting with the fans and, you know, trying to reach out and talk to them? I I said the biggest thing is, you know, if they tweet at you, tweet it, like talk to them back, you know. 
I don't consider myself uh, better than anybody else. I mean, if you tweet at me, you know, I'm definitely going to say something back, uh, no matter if it's negative or positive. You know, if it's if it's negative, you know, I will definitely have something to say. Was it really all it took was the text from Connor Barwin to spark you coming to Philadelphia? It was a couple of things. Uh, Connor, you know, was the first guy I've known Connor for some time. And, you know, he's been a you know great leader, great guy, uh, even when he was down in Houston. Mm-hmm. But also my agent, Joe Panos, played here in the 90s. So he knew, you know, kind of like what the city was about. He knew, you know, how he, you know, Mr. Laurie as far as the owner and what they're about. Mm-hmm. And then I also got a firsthand taste of uh, Peterson as the OC of the Chiefs twice, you know, when I was in Houston and the the offense that he created and, and how it was a well-oiled machine by the, by the end of the year. And then having, you know, veteran guys, you know, obviously Jason Peters, we all know what he's done since he's been, a, you know, an undrafted guy. Former tight end himself. He made the change in the pros exactly. from tight end to the tackle. Exactly. So, but. Jason Kelsey as well. And then we all know what type of talent Lane Johnson is. You know, those three guys, you know, wanting me to be a part you know, of something that I think can be pretty special up front, along with Alan Barber, you know, really felt good. And pretty much uh, once free agency opened up, I knew this is where I wanted to come and what I wanted to be a part of. Did you know you were leaving Houston? Was it pretty much set in stone at that point that you're moving on? Once free agency had opened? Yeah. Pretty much, I'd say. You know, for me personally, you know, I needed a, needed a change, and this is what I needed. So you got Lane Johnson on one side, Jason Kelsey on your other side. How do you guys mesh personality-wise? Because they're kind of characters, those guys. Good football players, but they're definitely interesting guys. So what's it been like just getting to know who they are as people, not just as football players? Yeah, like you said, you know, they're really interesting guys, really funny guys. I'd say they're really you know, easy to get along with as well. So you know, it's been a smooth transition once I came in and kind of got the first minicamp under my belt and what's expected, what I need to do. You know, this second go-around with OTAs, we meshed well. I don't know exactly how to – say, like, compliment each other. I think we'll just work really well together. Okay. We'll open a lot of eyes as far as, you know, the right side of that line and, I guess, be what everybody thinks we're going to be. Do you feel pressure with the second contract, with the big contract coming to Philadelphia? Uh, no. For me, I just want to be great. My fire's been at a, a totally different level since I've been here. Why do you think it's higher now than it's ever been in your career? I can just feel it. Like, I, I can mm-hmm. just, I don't know, see how I'm going out there and how I'm approaching everything. It's like you work so hard to get to the second contract, then you get here, then you have to readjust as far as uh, what you're trying to do. And, you know, I'm trying to win championships, trying to get the Pro Bowls, and, you know, trying to be great. Brandon, I think that's going to do it for us here. Appreciate it. Thank appreciate you very you. much for joining us you guys here. You have me on. On really the Eagles it. Insider Podcast. I just love how Brandon has embraced the city of Philadelphia because he plays a blue-collar position along the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Philly's a blue-collar town. Do you look at the players that the fans have embraced over the years, and Brandon fits into that mold, but he's also someone who is giving that love back. Someone who's booing cowboy fans on the street, asking what are the best places to eat and shop and to truly experience Philadelphia. So it's great when you have someone with that personality who's willing to embrace his role because he's coming into a situation where he is a big free agent signing. Mm-hmm. He's going to be looked at to strengthen a unit that mm-hmm. was down in 2015. And for the Eagles to compete in the NFC East to try to win a division title, they're going to need the offensive line to get back to the level that it was just a couple of years ago, and Brandon Brooks is going to be a big part of that. You see it happen in the NFL, really in all sports from time to time, where 
players will sign these big money free agent contracts and they may not be able to connect with the fans right away or, or fans may immediately get that idea about them that, oh, you know, he, he signed for the money or well, whatever it is. Brandon Brooks came in and he did things as well as you possibly could. He took to the fans on Twitter right away. He connected with his teammates. He spoke about working with Lane Johnson and working with uh, Jason Kelsey and really getting to know those guys, getting to know everybody up front. But he's really handled things the right way. And I think that's refreshing to see. And you mentioned it. It's kind of a cliche that he's a blue collar guy, but he really is a blue collar guy. The way that he conducts himself growing up in Wisconsin and Milwaukee, as he talked about, it just seems like that's the way that he's wired. And I think that how he's reacted with the fans, how he's connected with the fans, I think that's something that we're going to see just evolve over the years. So to get a perspective on how Brandon will be able to adjust to being that big-ticket free agent guy, guy who's in a limelight. He's not a third-round pick from a smaller school. We're going to bring in Jared Johnson, a former NFL offensive lineman, plays college football at Lehigh University. He's known Brandon going back to his preteen years back in Milwaukee. He's a healthcare executive now. He's made a seamless transition from the pro game to the business world. Jared Johnson, a mentor of Brandon Brooks. Let's bring him on to get to know a little bit more about the newest Eagles offensive lineman. We welcome to the Eagles Insider Podcast, Jared Johnson, former NFL offensive lineman, played his college football at a school very familiar to Eagles fans, Lehigh University in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. He is the mentor to one Brandon Brooks. Jared, welcome to the podcast. And how did your paths initially cross with Brandon? First, thanks for having me on. Brandon is interesting. I met Brandon when he was 12 years old. He was actually my next-door neighbor. Um, really? Okay. He lived in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You said you were his next-door neighbor, but what kind of drew him to you, and what was he like at that point in his life in Wisconsin? Well, you know, Brandon was like any typical 12-year-old. See him in the neighborhood with all the kids. Very athletic and very big at that point in his life. Interesting thing about Brandon, he used to come to my house all the time. My wife and his mother became good friends, so that's kind of what drew us together, and Brandon would come to the house and eat up all my food. <laughs> eat up everything in the house. Isn't that what the kids in the neighborhood do? Just Brandon. Just Brandon. <laughs> So he would, he would come in the house and eat up the food, go back outside and play, or go back down the street and eat again, <laughs> and then come back to the house. But Brandon, of course, you know, I played a little bit of football, kept you know my paraphernalia, and he would see that stuff, and Brandon said that that's what he wanted to do at some point, and I used to encourage him. It's a goal that you can try to reach. You just got to work hard at it. But the most important thing with him, I used to stress academic achievement with Brandon. Very good kid from a young age, and you know, blossomed into uh, what you see now. When did you think that the NFL might be a possibility for him. I thought that when Brandon got to college. Brandon was a raw talent. Interestingly enough about him, I actually refereed one of his freshman football games. And Brandon was a defensive tackle. And I used to tell him, Brandon, you are way too big to be so passive and so soft because he's really a teddy bear type of guy. And time went on. I saw this guy get bigger. I saw him get meaner when he um, played football. He's a mild-mannered guy off the field. Went through the college selection process. You know, at Miami of Ohio is when I really thought that Brandon could actually make it to the next level because you saw his size, you saw how well he moved his feet, and he was just a strong kid. So he had a great opportunity, I thought. And I used to try to encourage him. If that's something he wants to do, he should shoot for the goal. So he ends up at Miami University in Ohio, and, and at that point he's playing college football. But how much contact do you still have with him at this point? Are you still trying to help him out and still mentor and show him what to do along the way? Or was he kind of take a step back from you? Well, no, we actually um, stay connected today. He's grown in different aspects of his life, so I don't encroach upon certain things. For example, Brandon's a professional football player, so I 
really don't encroach upon teaching him or talking about schemes or anything like that or teaching him techniques or anything. When he was at in high school at Miami, Ohio, we would talk about some of the techniques he would use. We would talk about some of the schemes that he would see and little tricks of the trade that I picked up, I would pass on to him. And we're two totally different players. He's more of an athletic, in-your-face, strong guy. And, you know, I was more of a, I won't say not strong, but a finesse guy, more quick and able to take angles on folks to be uh, successful before I had my injury. But at Miami, Ohio, him and I used to talk schemes all the time. And we used to talk about what it takes to be better than the individuals that are just playing college football and being good. We want to be great. That's kind of how that evolved. And today, our conversations are more life skills more than anything else and how you treat people and how you conduct yourself off the field. He has great players that he's surrounded with. He's a great player himself and coaches. And so I really don't do much. Sometimes I can't resist. I'll be watching the game. There's always something I'll tell him. <laughs> You're a fan still. I mean, come on. Oh, uh, you know, I'm a fan. You know, I see the game from a whole bunch of different perspectives. And so I'm watching. When I zero in on, on him when he's playing, any other time I'm watching the referees. So it's a true joy to see the growth that he's had over the years. You are a referee at the college level, the FCS level, just for the yeah. listeners out there so that they understand the context. So, Jared, Brandon was a third-round pick. He came from Miami, Ohio, offensive lineman, probably wasn't a household name when he first joined the Houston Texans, but he came to Philadelphia with a big free agent contract. How do you think that he's suited, or why do you think that he's going to be able to handle the responsibility that comes with that big contract, knowing that you have to come here and be the guy, so to speak, or one of the guys in the locker room. One of the things when Brandon first got into the league, I told him, I said, now this is no longer high school. This is no longer college. This is your job. So you have to be professional and treat this job like you're a professional. I've seen the evolution of Brandon over the years from somebody who goes off of its brute strength and talent to more of, okay, I got to get to working physically, but I also have to study the book. I also have to look at a lot of film. When I talk to him, I hear the evolution of, on a college field, you can just step on the field. When you're early in your career, you can still play. He had trouble early in his career learning the playbook. Now he understands how it is to be a professional. So I think with that and the responsibility that he's given, and we've had this conversation, that people are going to be looking at him. He's under a lot of scrutiny but be professional and just play your game. And I think the people in Philadelphia are going to be very, very happy with what they see when he gets on the field. So as Brandon's going through the free agency process, and obviously he wasn't a free agent very long. He signed shortly after uh, free agency started, but that's a huge life decision for him of which team he wants to go to and where he wants to play. Did he reach out to you at any point, or did you have any discussions with him heading into free agency about just what this means as the next step in his life? Well, yeah, we did. It was similar to the conversation we had about where are you going to go to college? And so we took that and we kind of fast-forwarded that to this process here. When he had a few teams, including his uh, former team, in the mix for what it meant for his next job, we kind of kept in touch. I listened to him. I listened to his rationale. Didn't make any decision for him and didn't give him any uh, advice on or opinion on where he should sign. I heard everything they were saying, and I listened to him. I said, it's your decision. you got to decide what the pros and cons are. And we kind of went through that process and for him i think it was an easy decision i think philadelphia he felt comfortable he felt wanted and i think he's gonna do a great job what is it about brandon's personality that you think makes him fit in this new city so well i think he's very personable brandon's open to new things and diversity and understands that football fans come from all walk of life i kind of warned him a little bit about philadelphia fans and how loyal they are how he's going to have to perform and just embrace the city and they'll love you back and i think he's trying to do that and i think he's going to put his entire body and soul into making philadelphia his permanent home and working very hard for the organization so it's easy to gravitate towards somebody that a wants to be there 
and B really wants to be successful. In fact, I was there on Sunday. I had lunch with him on Sunday, and he says, hey, welcome to my city. <laughs> so he's already embraced Philadelphia. So, Jared, if you go back to when Brandon was a 12-year-old kid coming over and eating all the food in your house, could you have imagined that this is where he'd be at this point to be not only in the NFL, but really one of the top guards in the NFL and somebody who an entire fan base is really excited about the possibilities that he could bring? Could you have imagined any of this happening? Well, yeah. You know, I always tell him, you set a goal, have a vision for yourself. So, yeah, I could understand totally and imagine that he would be at this point. The thing I always stress upon him is you work hard to get here, you got to work harder to stay here. And so I think that's always his mentality. But from a kid that was 12 years old, a big kid at that point and pretty athletic, knew that he always had the opportunity because he was a big kid. The interesting thing is he always wanted to play tight end. I said, no, 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 you don't make it playing tight end. You're a good lineman. You'd be a great offensive lineman. That's what he's turned into. Jared, as a former player who's transitioned successfully into the business world, you're a healthcare executive, also, as I mentioned earlier, a referee at the college ranks. What is the secret to being able to make that transition after the game? With Brandon, when it comes to Brandon, you know, look, we're hoping that's like 10 years down the road, of course. But of course, you see a lot of players who struggle to make that transition. Why have you been so successful at it? Because I think when you have a vision for yourself, you want to be successful at whatever you do. You want to play football as long as you can. And that's what I tried to impress upon Brandon when he first got started. But you always got to have a plan B and a plan C. And one of the things that I did to transition, you know, I always knew I would need to get a master's degree. I got a bachelor's degree, signed a free agent contract, Rode that way for a little bit, but I always had it back in my mind. I needed to get an NBA degree. So I went and did that at my playing days and kept going. When football career is over because it's a little part of your life, you got to make sure that you can sustain achievement the rest of your life so you go on and you do something else. And one of the things that Brandon and I have had a conversation with in the last year, last two years actually, is everyone knows he's been pursuing an advanced degree. When he took this leap with the Eagles and then signed the contract, I said, okay, 100%, you got to focus on football now. That is your job. There's a lot of expectations that you have to do very well. All that other stuff, it's great that you're involved in investment banking. It's great that you're involved in looking at finishing your MBA at Wharton, but you got to do that next. You got to do football first. So I think he's refocused a little bit, but I think in his mind, he's going to have that plan B is still sitting on the horizon for him, but it's further along on the horizon because right now he's 100% focused on the Philadelphia Eagles. It just came a little sooner for me than it is for him. So you just got to have that mindset. And a lot of players go into it. There's big sums of money, fanfare. You just got to be able to focus what your short-term goals are be, your intermediate goals and your long-term goals. And that's pretty much what I focus on. Jared Johnson, former NFL player and the mentor to Eagles guard Brandon Brooks. Thank you very much for joining us here, Jared, on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Thanks for having me. All right, special thanks to both Brandon Brooks and Jared Johnson for joining us here on the season debut of the Eagles Insider Podcast. Again, make sure to leave a comment or a rating on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you consume your podcasts. If you haven't already, make sure to download so you get our brand new episodes each and every week. Alex, anything you want to throw in there before uh, we say goodbye? I hope that everybody enjoyed this new rendition, this new look of this podcast. I think we really look forward to really getting to know these players, each and every one of them that comes in and getting to know them off the field, getting to learn the stuff that you might not hear about. So I'm really looking forward to it. I think Brandon Brooks was a, a really great way to kind of kick things off. So it should be a lot of fun. No question about it. Just trying to offer something a little different for you guys and girls out there. So that's going to do it for us here on the Eagles Entire Podcast. For Alex Smith, I'm Chris McPherson. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.